Hello. Today's story concerns a man who wants to reconnect with his daughter. Remember the Paul Simon song, Slip Slide in Away? There was a father who had a son. He longed to tell him all the reasons for the things he'd done. It's a bit like that, but set in Australia. Bellingen to Byron. So, what would she think of this place? Not much, you suppose. And it was true, the apartment was pretty dingy. The furniture was all second-hand and tatty second-hand at that. Not much consideration had been given to decoration, and the wallpaper in the main room was peeling. The overall colour scheme was yellowish-grey. State of cleanliness? Grubby, but not filthy. The bathroom did get a wipe-over every week, every two or three weeks, and the carpets did get vacuumed, but with less frequency. Most house dust is human skin, so all you've done is let yourself accumulate a little on the surfaces. The bedsheets? Indeed, they could do with being changed more often, and the pile of dishes in the sink could demand your attention on a more regular basis. And then there was the smell. Not a terrible smell, not a smell you always notice, but still, a pervasive smell, an undertone of mild decay. It was a male smell, the smell, not that you really want to register it, the smell of you. No, she wouldn't think much. But then, you're not going to be bringing her here, are you? And if all should go well on your trip, a big if, but press on with the thought and there arose the possibility of her coming to Sydney, coming to the concrete thicket of Parramatta, then you would have plenty of time to clean up properly, maybe even redecorate. There's an idea. When was the last time she was this far south? It seemed she'd been in Bellow for an age, but it wasn't that long ago that she was just a child and you saw her regularly. One weekend a month. Such riches. And before that, when you and her mother were together, well, it was a happy childhood she'd had, wasn't it? Taking her to the beach, taking her up into the Blue Mountains. She had loved the Blue Mountains. And you had known, still do know, all the secret walks, the wonderful lookouts and vistas that the tourists never see on their sod-on, sod-off bus tours. Remember when you had come across the male lyrebird on the valley floor with its fabulous lace plumage on display, dancing to woo its mate? She had only been four or five, but she understood to keep still and simply to observe the spectacle, knowing that this was something wonderful, something to cherish and remember, something to lock away in the chamber of childhood recollection, something good with you in attendance. So many memories... So many good times. Well, almost good times. But then, severance and drift. It wasn't as if you didn't fully accept your part in it. It takes two to destroy a relationship. The blame can't ever be totally on one side. And yet, the guilt never goes away, does it? There's never a complete coming to terms. Just scar tissue and self-loathing with additional flashes of hatred. And what is still so very difficult to analyse, the where-did-it-all-go-wrong part of things. When you look back, you can only conclude that because your perception of yourself as a generally worthless human being who could cover up well on occasion was established before you met, the break-up, so to speak, actually began before the hitch-up. 
You were always going to leave or be left because your overpowering sense of inadequacy could not be vanquished even by the force of attraction, even by the lightning strike of love. However, immovable as that pain might be, there were other hurts. To be told you were not a good father, when, with ruthless honesty, with all delusion stripped away, that was factually untrue. To be told it would be bad for your daughter for you to have continued access. To understand from your daughter that she took her mother's side of events in all matters and wished to cease all contact. But you swallow your agony. You bury it deep inside, because you are not some moron who needs to put on a Superman costume and sit on the roof of a public building screaming with self-pity. No, your dignity is to accept and to wait. And all the sorrow that has streamed down your face, the lines of tearful erosion etched into your reflection when you look in the mirror, has now been softened by her recent change of mind. Accept and wait. Survive. But you are nervous about your trip. You are anxious about your mission. You are to drive to Bellingen, collect your daughter, and drive on to Byron Bay. You did not permit the nasty thought that she just needs a taxi driver to bubble up for days. But all feelings, good and bad, must be faced, and you have concluded that it would have been so much easier for her to get a lift with a friend or get a bus. Do they have buses on that route? Who knows? It doesn't matter. No, it is much more likely that she needed some kind of request, something practical, tangible, in order to reconnect. Better to ask for a lift than to say, let's meet for dinner and talk about it all. The next thing to get really anxious about is your car. You've let James have a look at it, but you're never quite sure that James knows what he's doing. You paid him to service the old Subaru, and he forgot to change the brake pads, leading to its total write-off two days later in Stanmore. But you like James, and he's been a good friend. Very supportive, especially over a slab of beer, although this time the car, a not-yet-old banger Kia, obviously positively must not break down. Can you imagine it? Especially if she wants to take the unmetalled scenic route out of Bellow, up past the tallow trees, swerving to avoid the logging trucks chundering towards you as rocks of all sizes scatter and spit on the surface of the road. High risk for a clapped-out motor, so James had better unclap it pronto. As long as he still wasn't drinking in the mornings, you should be okay. You're going to pick the car up, this Arvo, and drive it around just to check. Then, first thing in the morning, you're off. Five hours, 33 minutes, up the Pacific Highway, past Newcastle, Taree and Port Macquarie, turning inland just before Coffs Harbour. You might stop off for a coffee at Nambuka Heads and take in the view. Memories, former lives, the carefree loafer that you wear, coasting along the coast. Casual employment was easy in those days. A month behind the bar here, some construction work there, wild oats sown, drink and drugs, the vivid Australian summer turned day-glow by acid tabs. What you do to your body when you're young. But none of that now. No need for mind-altering substances, except for Fridays down the Cranston Hotel with James and Tony. Pale ale was the only drug these days. You didn't even smoke weed anymore. You were thirty 
when you met Amanda, had stabilised your life with a manager's job at the ski warehouse in Erskineville and were renting a nice apartment in St Peter's. Skis, boots and accessories in the winter and surf and swimwear all year round. You managed the incoming orders and saw to their dispatch. It went like clockwork once you had sorted out the slackers. Takes one to no one, you realised, and were ruthless in the clear-out. But once you had built a new team, the process managed itself. You believed in positive reinforcement then, after the cruelty of letting people go, the kindness of letting better people prosper. Anyone can make a mistake, learn and move on. It was the thieving and the sullen insolence that had to be eradicated. Responsible times. It was a workmate's barbecue. Oh, very Australian. God knows how people hooked up nowadays with everything being online. You would never have dealt with that. Amanda came over to you and started chatting. It was simple. You'd decided by then never to brag, never to exaggerate and never to lie after a relationship apprenticeship of doing all three with tedious regularity. And she fell in love with you. Yes, you. Because you told it straight and you made her laugh. There was the physical infatuation as well. You've never been able to process those feelings fully. That is, you can't understand why the total and overwhelming reverence for another person's body should ever cease. You know, the intoxication of an almost religious intensity, when, falling out of love, the retreat from intimacy, the surrendering of absolute adoration, is an impossibility that only fools, liars and cheats would contemplate. No, you can't understand why this has an ending, could have an ending. And after the ending, well, repulsion, disgust, regret and cynical self-rejection. Ah, yes, the man who could have once found that woman so essential to living that a single breath without her could not be contemplated. You can't understand the absurd cruelty of that journey from the tender, loving caress tracing the contours of naked beauty to the indifference of a love in ashes. What a race we are to be able to cherish something with such committed and white-hot worship and then to flee from the very thought. You can't understand, but then that's almost your motto, isn't it? You must understand it. It was you. You were the reason. The afternoon arrives. You pick up the car. You drive it safely home. You get to bed early. Of course, you don't sleep. You just lie there with your thoughts and splinters, the familiar maelstrom of exhausted, unsleeping slumber. Now, get up and get in that car and drive up the coast. Drive out of Parramatta with its stabbings, its shootings, its gang culture, its racial ghettos and its state schools that can't find teachers because of the assaults. Drive out of Sydney, that beautiful, radiant whore whose glittering blue harbour drowns its appalling sins in a haze of azure amnesia. Hit the highway. Put your foot down insofar as this rattle-crank of a motor can tolerate feet down. Don't be distracted by the mist rising from the eucalypts. Don't be distracted by the sights and sounds of Australia waking up. Drive across the miles. Drive. Just drive. Drive to Bellingen. Drive towards your girl. Eons pass. 
a few brief moments of Aussie road rage, the usual splatter of squashed animals, the magic glimpses of emerald and russet, the sky yawning the day open. You can be content in a car. The Triffid's wonderful song of expectation, wide open road, fills your ears again. Hey, you can even play it on your phone, plugged into the car's speakers. Yes, even you have followed technology this far. The world is gliding by. The wheels on your bus are going round and round without mechanical failure. Be kind to your vehicle. Banish negative thoughts. You take the turn off for bellow and you try to stop your heart from beating too fast. But here it is, all rainforest sweet and hipster fresh, a semi-tropical oasis of alternative Australia, which is, as you know too sadly, no longer alternative, but consumerist mainstream, just with ethical coffee beans. You park across from the address you've been given, and you wait. Maybe you've got the day wrong, maybe you've imagined it all. Then she appears. She's talking with her friend. She hasn't noticed you. Would she recognise you anyhow? A sudden flood of shame crashes over you. Who would want to be seen with you? You have edited out your violence from your memories. You know that. Turn on the ignition now and spare her your redemption. Take the highway south, old man. She doesn't need the likes of you. Thank you. <laughs>